he should be nowhere near this squad at the moment because when he does play, he looks a bag of nerves and he's not playing, which goes against things that Southgate said he was going to judge the squad's ball. I think he'll be in the squad as kind of a token gesture from Southgate. I really hope he's not. 26 man, I bet he's in the squad, but I bet he doesn't play. But it's just a waste of a waste of a place. Do you not think when there's 26 man squad, it doesn't matter, does it? No, because there's... No, if you've got 26 men, like, use the 26 men you've got, use them properly. Southgate is definitely going to be under pressure this this winter, like he was with Grealish, to play Bellingham as much as possible. But as we saw in the Euros, Southgate doesn't give in to pressure if he doesn't think that it's the right choice. And you saw this a bit with, with Grealish at the Euros, is you get this clamour around one player. Oh, he's got to be in. Oh, well, no player has to be in. But football's not about individuals, it's about the system. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Josh Wright from Who Scored and my hero, Jonathan Wilson. No Premier League games this week. It is, of course, the international break, the last one before the World Cup in Qatar at Christmas time. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to look at the picture for England, aren't we, Josh? We're going to look at how things are going, how the squad's shaping up, and then at the end, we're going to pick our own squads. Will the Who Scored squad be picked via the algorithm? But yep, yeah, by the algorithm, yes. Yeah, so oh no, guys, no could be anyone in there. there. <laughs> could, could, could be anyone. I think, in that I think squad. it's okay. It's, it's, I think it's okay. Okay, looking forward to that. We're going to start then by looking at the goalkeepers. Obviously, Jordan Pickford's injured and not in this squad, but I think it's pretty undoubted at this point that he is Gareth Southgate's number one. Or am I wrong, Jonathan? Does his injury bring Pope or Ramsdale into contention? Well, I think if he's yeah, if he if he doesn't play regularly before the World Cup, then, then yes, it does. But I think yeah, I think we're led to believe he'd be out for roughly a month or so. So there's just enough time for him to get another three or four weeks action. And yeah, you know, he clearly is Southgate's number one. I think is, I don't think he's ever played badly for England. I think he's had some excellent games for England. I think his distribution is really important how England play. I think that capacity to launch counter attacks with, with that sort of um, very long, accurate sort of waist high clearance that, that he does. I think they're all incredibly useful assets to have. And I think, I, I know people have a bit of an issue with him at club level that he, you know, he does make mistakes and that that freneticness. I think at times can 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 maybe make him seem a little bit jittery, but I also think that international football is a different type of game. Uh, I think he's he's good around the squad. I think he's clearly lively. He keeps everybody going. Uh, I mean, personally, I suspect I find him a total pain in the ass with that liveliness all the time. But you know, footballers aren't me, and I'm a lot older than them. And he he seems popular, um, so that's all good in terms of morale. But I also think that any little advantage you can get in international football makes a huge difference. I think one of the things England did really well at the last World Cup was to be very, very dangerous from set plays. I think that's an, you know, an easy win for an international manager. Yeah, how can we, what can we do that makes us 3 4 5% more dangerous? And those Pickford clearances are one of those things. So I, I think Southgate would be very reluctant to, to lose that. The fact that he is the best keeper in England at, at mopping up behind a high line I think is is very useful. So as long as he has got another three or four Premier League games under his belt before the World Cup, I think he will absolutely be the first choice. No, I think he's actually calmed down a little bit, Josh, under Frank Lampard. We've seen him with the captain's armband this season. He put in a great performance against Liverpool. I think that was the last time he played. But I do feel he's kind of 
leveled out that that erraticness from his game and also that liveliness as well that I perhaps thought was a problem at times. I feel like everything's kind of leveled out with with him now and he's more of a more of a senior man and he you know he's an excellent shot stopper. Yeah, I think he has. I think he did perhaps take that criticism on board when people were skeptical about whether he was too fired up before the game had even started. There was often like clips in the in the in the tunnel before the games where. He, he did seem to be a bit too amped up. And I do think he has taken that on board and he's naturally pretty just matured with age. Um, but I think Southgate stuck with with Pickford when he wasn't playing well for his club. And now obviously he's had a superb start to the season. I think he's been one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. Um, so there's no reason for Southgate to change that if 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 he's back, at, back fit and available. And there's so many other... Even if Pickford wasn't playing well for his club, I think there are so many other... Um, big decisions that Southgate has to make uh, ahead of the World Cup that changing a goalkeeper who has performed consistently for your country, I just think that adds another unnecessary headache when Southgate has got to make quite a lot of other, other big decisions as, as we'll come on to later on in the show. Pickford's obviously injured now and as far as goalkeepers do go, I, I would say that, I'm not saying Pickford's injury prone, but he does seem to pick up injuries more than the average goalkeeper does. He, I think he's missed nine. He's missed nine league games over the last three seasons, which it doesn't sound to be an awful lot. But for a goalkeeper, I would say that that is quite a lot. You'd normally expect your goalkeeper to play at least 36, 37, and probably the full 38 league games a season. But Pickford hasn't really managed to do that in the last few years. So I guess in this international break, what we will find out is who is who Southgate sees as his number two. Because I, I, I would say that Pope Ramsdale. And Dean Henderson, maybe there. I wouldn't say there's much between between the three. I don't think anyone really knows who the number two is between Pope and Ramsdale. And I think we will find out in this international break. And if Pickford is injured come the World Cup, then I think we'll have a clearer picture of who will be the most likely to step in. Do you not just think it's Ramsdale, Jonathan? Similar type of goalkeeper, I would say. Yeah, I think that's the point. He is he is the closest, like for like. I think Pope is better than Ramsdale. But he's a different type of keeper, and so trying to balance those two things against each other, you probably go for the one who's who's more similar. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's yeah, it's if he goes for Pope, I don't think that's a terrible, disastrous decision. I, I I think Pope is probably slightly more reliable, slightly better shot stopper, but Ramsdale has that capacity to leave his box a bit more. Yeah, let's look then at the defence. Jonathan, Summer was an absolute write-off in terms of the National League, but England did look all over the place defensively. Probably going to return to a back three, Gareth Southgate. It's probably even more right to do that now with the way some of the centre-backs are playing as well. Loss of form, people not playing. A back three seems almost a certainty to me. Uh, I don't think it's quite as simple as that, actually. I think um, what we saw at the Euros, and I, I thought this was the right thing to do, was it's a back three when Southgate doesn't expect to be able to dominate possession. I think, and he may he may go with the back three anyway, because England were so open, particularly those two games against Hungary. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if in, for instance, the game against Iran, where I think you can safely assume England will have 60, 65% of the ball. I'm not sure there's any point in, in a game like that in having three centre-backs protected by two holders. I think it's the two holders is probably more significant for, as a consequence of the summer. That you need that solidity, but I would I would think in in those games like that Iran game you probably or he he probably will go to more of a four three three or a four two three one. I just don't see why you need three centre backs, and he, he's he's shown he is capable of of changing that. So uh, the Euros, England played a back four 
in all three group games and against Ukraine. They played a back three against Germany, played a back four against Denmark, a back three against Italy. So he's happy to to mix and match that. I think the back three is for when you know he, he feels that England will have to do a bit more defending, won't, won't have as much of the ball. So I, I, I agree with sort of the general tenor of the question that, yes, I think there will be a shift back to something more conservative. Um, I think that attempt to be a little bit more progressive, a little bit more on the front foot, I think that failed. Um, I think it had failed before, but it looked terrible in the summer because the players were knackered and nobody wanted to be playing those games. And um, yeah, loads of players were were clearly shattered. I mean, no, no, you know, journalists didn't want to be there. It felt like fans didn't want to be there. I think those were just four. I, mean, I wouldn't read too much in those four games. But I think what they will have done is reinforce in Southgate's mind that the first thing you have to do is be solid, be that with a back four or with a with a back three. I don't think we'll see England trying to play as as exciting a football as they tried to play and failed in the summer. Yeah, and whether it is a two centre-backs or three centre-backs, Josh, Harry Maguire has been a mainstay in Southgate's England defence. He's in the squad despite not really playing any football for Manchester United in the last month or so. When he does play, he looks incredibly shaky. Now, as I've said, he's been a wonderful player for England. I'm not knocking him at all in, in that regard. But in my opinion, he should be nowhere near this squad at the moment because when he does play, he looks a bag of nerves. And he's not playing, which goes against things that Southgate said he was going to judge the squad's by. Yeah, I, th- I think he, I think it's only ten minutes of Premier League action, um, and the the one game he has started, Manchester United lost to Real Sociedad. So it's been a it's been a very difficult start to the season for him, carrying on from a very difficult season last year. Um, in terms of Southgate picking him in the squad, when I when I first saw the the current England squad, I was a bit I had mixed feelings about it because obviously there's a lot of players in there that aren't actually playing or just not playing well. Um, but I just don't think there's many alternatives that are smashing on the door in some of those positions. So, And also, I think if he was to make loads of changes, it would probably send out a bit of a panicky message um, in the last break before before the, before the World Cup. So it's a difficult one. But with Maguire, I would, if, if things don't change, if he doesn't play matches for Manchester United before from now until the World Cup, which is hard to see him doing, to be honest, then it's going to be very difficult, I think, for Southgate to pick him uh, in in a back three or in a back four. Um, but yeah, it's difficult because he does have so much credit in the bank for England, apart from that one game where he got sent off against Denmark. But he has been a really consistent performer for, for Southgate. I think, he's been, I think over the last few, um, in terms of uh, competitive tournaments, so quali- qualification and major tournaments, I think he's one of... Southgate's top rated who's called who top who's called rated players so he has been a very good performer for England but yeah he just doesn't look the same sort of player he looks to be very affected by Manchester United's disastrous season probably dating back to the incident he had in Greece to be honest I don't think he's probably been the same since then um so it's gonna be really difficult to see because I, there's not a lot of defenders that are playing well for England at the moment I think you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, he was he didn't get anywhere near the England squad when he was playing well for Liverpool. And now he's obviously had a very tough time defensively this season. So you'd expect him to be miles off it. Chilwell and Shaw, they're not playing for their clubs. Obviously for Chilwell, they've just signed a manager um, in Graham Potter who has a very good relationship you'd expect with Mark Cucurella. So maybe that limits his game time even further. Um, Carl Walker's had a bit of a tough start to the season as well. And he's currently injured, although in the England squad. Um, and, and Guardiola's even said himself that John Stones just isn't reliable in terms of in terms of staying fit. So there's a lot of problems for Southgate in that sort of de- in defence. 
and that's probably one of the reasons why you, we probably will see a back three more often than not is that with so many of those players not playing well, he probably wants there to be as much protection as possible. So I would agree with Jonathan that in sort of games where against the bigger nations, where we're perhaps not going to be as dominant on the ball, that he will sort of revert to that back three. Um, and I mean, if I was if I was to pick the defence right now, it would probably it wouldn't feature Maguire. It would probably have um, Reese James was probably the as the wing back, and then well, it depends who if you want an, if you want Carl Walker in there, but I'd probably go for. Reese James, um, John Stones, Eric Dyer, and probably Tamori with Trippier as the left wing back. But I imagine that could completely change by the time the World Cup rolls around. But yeah, for Southgate, hopefully some of those defenders start playing and also play their way into form. The difficult thing I've got I've got with it is is that I understand that someone's got credit in the bank, but if they're not playing and when they play, they're bang off form. I don't want to watch an England defence that scares me, Jonathan. And at the moment, every time I watch Harry Maguire, he scares me. Yeah, um, I think, I mean, the problem is there's no time. You know, I'm sure that if there were five friendlies before the World Cup and if before the World Cup you had a two or three week break where you could bed this in, I think his position would be much more under threat. As it is, I think Southgate's, obviously he's watching the Premier League and he's keeping an eye on how his players are doing. But I think he's got to significantly prioritise what he has seen. Um, so I think these friendlies are hugely important for Maguire. I think he's got to play both of them. Um, sorry, not friendlies, Nations League games. The, these these games are, are, are hugely important. That he, you know, he's got to start them. Um, and we've got to see if he plays in the back three in a different setup to Manchester United, can he return to to what he was? I, I just sort of think if you start if you start changing now. Um, yeah, changes will be forced by injuries. That that will happen. If you if you're suddenly taking out Maguire, who has been a mainstay, and bringing in you know, what left-sided defenders are there? Tamori, Gay. There's not really anybody else who can play on the left of that three. Mings, if he was in the squad. Well, Mings isn't in the squad. I mean, it, look, you can't. Mings's form is as bad as Maguire's. So, but he, that does. I disagree with that. It's not. If you've watched him, if you've watched him so far this season, he's been very good, and he's got credit in the bank for England at all. And Southgate cited that he was off form, and that there's defenders playing better than him as the reason why he was dropped in the first place. Then surely, by that logic, Harry Maguire should be nowhere near it. Well, except Maguire is a more senior figure, uh, and I think he's a better player than Mings. So um, I, I sort of think that's that's that Southgate's statement about you know, one of his big players who are playing for their clubs and in form. That's fine in in principle. But where we are now with no time for anybody to do anything, and this isn't just England suffering, this is every national team because it's when the World Cup is, you've sort of got to rely on what players did six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, four years ago. So I, I, I think I think it's very unlikely Maguire will not be in the squad. Um, I agree. I'd be in the team. I think he'll be in the eleven. And I, I would I would certainly start with him. Well, let, let's see how he does these games. Um and maybe he's maybe he's okay. Because the other thing is, he is such a threat from corners, and that is a thing that England are good at. Hmm. And okay, maybe he might stumble on the ball a couple of times and look a bit shaky. But if he if he gets you a couple of good headers a game in the opposition box, maybe that's a risk worth taking. I mean, it depends. If, if his sort of loss of confidence leads to sort of him being morose around the place, maybe he's not good for the squad. But he seems a popular figure, and I, I don't think. We should underestimate how much that matters in major tournaments. No, I will caveat it by saying 
I hope he does well. I'd, I'd love to see him return to, to the form that, that got him in the England squad in the first place and made him so so loved by the country in that first international tournament that he played in. I, I want him to do well, but at the moment, I, I just can't see it. Josh picked his England defence, Jonathan. What would yours be? Back, let's say back three. I mean, Walker hasn't played well this season, but his pace is such an asset uh, that I think I'd probably have him at right wing back, but it could, it could easily be Reese James. I then probably play Reese James on the right of the three, but if he's playing at wing back, then uh, it, it's John Stones. Um, I then have Eric Dyer in the middle. I then would have Maguire on the left for now, but with a with a sort of with a question mark, and let's see how he does, and, and maybe Gay or Tamori comes in, and then Trippier at left wing back. There hasn't been time. It's not there's not new figures there because Tamori and Gay. I, I know they've been in squads before, but you, I'd like to have seen more of them. And, and maybe I'm being unfair on them saying they need more experience because whether they get the experience of it not playing, but it just seems too soon, to uh, too close to start the World Cup to to suddenly throw them in. But if Maguire does badly, then then you're going to have to. But and on the Alexander-Arnold issue, I just don't think he's in the squad. Um, and I, I understood why Southgate didn't pick him before. And I think what we've seen of Alexander-Arnold this season, it explains that. And it's nothing really to do with Alexander-Arnold, his ability... Um, you know, when when the Liverpool press is working well, he's a great player because he you know he then has license to get forward, um, and his crossing is clearly phenomenal. You know, he scores goals. He's he's an incredibly good footballer, but part of that package of attributes is atypical for a right wing back, in that he's not particularly good at one on one defending, and he can get out muscles at the back post. What you have to do is put him in a system where that doesn't matter. And Liverpool's system working well, that doesn't matter because the opposition can't deliver those balls to the back post with accuracy. They can't pop the balls in behind them with accuracy because the press is, is shutting them down. So if you think back to the COVID season when Liverpool lost away to Real Madrid at that game at the Real Madrid training ground uh, and two of the Madrid goals in the first half were very simple. Tony Kroos passes in behind Alexander-Arnold. What everybody went on about that day is, oh, look, Alexander-Arnold, he can't defend, can't defend. That had nothing to do with his ability to defend. It was because he was caught up a pitch and the press wasn't good enough to stop Kroos playing that pass. So that's a perfect example of what happens when the press isn't good enough. Now, England's press is never going to be as good as Liverpool's press. It can't be because they don't train together every day. Liverpool's press is a very, very fragile thing, as we're seeing this season, as we saw in the COVID season. When it works well, it allows you to, to say, like just play as a right winger almost, keep going forward, use those attacking attributes. International teams don't have that luxury. Now, if we were 20 years ago and there wasn't a great sort of catalogue of other right-backs, then, yeah, Alexander-Arnold would be in and you try and fiddle it around and you try and get him to sit a bit deeper. But Carl Walker, Reese james Kieran Trippier, you know, any of those three, in England terms, give you a better package of attributes than Alexander-Arnold does. Yeah, I think he'll be in the squad as kind of a token gesture from Southgate. I really hope he's not. He'll I be really, twenty six man. I bet he's in the squad, but I bet he doesn't play. But it's just a waste of a waste of a place. Do you not think it, when there's twenty six man squad, he just doesn't matter, does it? No, because no. If you've got twenty six men, like use the twenty six men you've got, use them properly. But so, okay, say that um, Walker and Reese James both get both get injured, but you can play Trippier on the right, and then your know, Chilwell plays on the left. You could even, you know, if things go uh, go really badly with injuries, you could play John Stones as the right wing back. Um, and also, it's That's Saka as well. Saka, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, it's 
I mean, you could even play Jordan Henderson there if you really, if you, know, if you had half a dozen injuries. Uh, and also, we're the group stage if we're doing that, it's it's probably yeah for certain, certainly some games going to be a back four, in which case you definitely don't want an over attacking right back. And then I know Ben White's not in this squad, but if Ben White were in the squad, he could play at right back. So there's plenty of options to fill in at right back if things went really badly wrong. I don't know why you would bring in a player no matter no no matter how talented for no other reason than a sop to yeah angry tabloids and angry Liverpool fans. Right then, I mean, you may get some angry Liverpool fans on your on your timeline in the coming well, week. Why? Why? Well, okay, surely why not rest him? Why not give him a month off in the middle of a season? Yeah, to so be fair, if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be buzzing if he wasn't going. Yeah, you do, you do get that get that month off, don't you? Along along with Salah, yeah, he's an important player for Liverpool. You, you'd be really pleased. Like, like, I get what you're saying because it could be a complete waste of time for him going yeah. away, going away for that month because it's clear that Southgate doesn't fancy him, doesn't think he fits in with what he's trying to do. And playing for Liverpool is very different for, for playing for England. So I understand what you're saying. Now, if we haven't scared you with our review of the defence, let's look at the midfield. Josh, another problem area for, for England at the moment. It feels like everywhere we turn, there's issues for Southgate at the moment. Yeah, it really is. I mean, midfield seemed like a really real strong point for England probably about six months ago, but now it doesn't, it doesn't even feel that way. I looked into the Who Scored ratings for... Um, the top-rated English midfielders, and Jude Bellingham is number one with a rating of 7.43, and second is James Ward-Prowse with 7.02. So if you think about the golf in those ratings, just from one to two, it doesn't really paint a great picture. I think coming in at 10, I think Jacob Ramsey finishes it off at 10, and his rating is only 6.70. So to get into a sort of like a top 10 of the best-rated English midfielders with that sort of rating, it it doesn't um, scream amazing. I mean, the the players are quality. It's just that they're just not playing playing well at all, especially with Calvin Phillips, as we'll talk talk about in a minute. He seems to be um, really struggling with this sort of strange shoulder problem that he's carried on from at Leeds. Um, it seems like he's going to have surgery uh, this week or soon anyway, um, and may or may not even recover in time for the World Cup. So that's another another um, dilemma for Southgate. Even though he wasn't playing for Manchester City, I do think that Southgate would have been absolutely desperate for him to be in the squad. Um, just because he's a sort of a one-of-a-kind profile that um, England really have in sort of the, the way that he plays. And without him, I would I would be massively concerned um, in in certain sort of games. But yeah, it's a, it's a big big issue. Declan Rice, who you would say is the guaranteed starter in that midfield, he's not even having a great season either. So yeah, <laughs> problems in pretty much every single position for Southgate at the moment. Is it a case now, Jonathan, if it's just time to play Bellingham? He's in form. He's England's future. He's a sensational player. You kind of do need to refresh it in certain areas. So we're saying about stalwarts, perhaps like Maguire, you don't want to change too much. But also there is an argument that you do need to refresh things a little bit. And Bellingham in that England midfield would give us something different. And he is an exceptional talent. Yeah, I mean, the issue is, is he too much of a box-to-box player for the role he'd have to play? Um, I think in a 4-3-3, Against the likes of Iran, where Wingman will have a ball, absolutely, yeah, he he should be there. You have a holding player, and then you have two, you know, more more creative, more aggressive players either side of that holding player. Bellingham and Mount, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, against Iran, that 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 would seem completely logical. Yeah, um, if it's a back three with two two holders, I I, I I genuinely don't know. Does he have the discipline to do that? If he does, so he's right. got the intelligence to adapt to yeah, the game. He's so it, mature for his age. It's not how he plays week in, week out. So that's something that yeah, Southgate will know from training, and, and maybe yeah, maybe from these these games coming up. Um, 
I get why he liked, you know, there's, there's the clamor around Bellingham at the Euros. I get why he went Lyson Phillips. The, the, it worked. You can't argue with it. Yeah, and 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 they they complement each other well. That that uh, that you know they 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 both naturally sit deep. Rice is good at carrying the ball. Phillips has that great range of forward passes. Very good at, at playing quick forward passes. You know his his capacity to to sort of assess where people are on the pitch as the ball comes to him, and then play that pass is is probably better than any other England player. And that's a really really useful attribute to have. Um, and I know the truth is I just don't know whether. Bellingham can do that. If he can, well, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely get him in. If he can't, yeah. what, what worries me about him, and you saw this a bit with, with Grealish at the Euros, is you get this clamour around one player. Oh, he's got to be in. Oh, well, no player has to be in. For football's not about individuals. It's about the system. And it's about picking the best players for the best system. Um, and may, you know, maybe he does fit in, 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 in that... Three four three or three four one two. I'm not convinced by that. In a four three three, he absolutely does fit. On the other hand, given that Phillips may not be fit uh, and he isn't playing regularly, given that Henderson's had his injury problems and hasn't played particularly well yet this season, maybe he gets in almost by default because there's nobody else to play alongside Rice. The case for Ward Prowse, Josh, been a consistent performer for, for Southampton. I I don't quite think he's at that level. Of international football, he's a great player. And he's you know set pieces are, are wonderful. That would be a real weapon. Jonathan talks about advantages, Josh. You know that would be a huge advantage. But then England have already got good set piece takers in their side. Gallagher's probably not going to get in now. I think he was probably in the, in the squad before the season started. But I think what's gone on with Chelsea, I think he's out now. It is a bit of a mess in there. You can pick Rice, but then who's next to him? He's completely up for debate. Yeah, and I like completely agree with what Jonathan was saying about Bellingham. I think I would love. For him to be sort of given as much freedom as possible for England, but I would only want that to happen if the conditions were right for him to flourish in his best position. I wouldn't necessarily like in the, in the three four three formation. I would be concerned that um, without because it would probably be without Phillips that Rice and Bellingham would have to sort of burden the sort of would share the responsibility of sort of controlling games for England at times. And I just don't think that plays to either of their strengths. I'd much rather see. England make use of Bellingham's athleticism, his dynamism, his ability to get forward and make those late runs into the penalty area and score goals, as we saw against Manchester City last week, which I thought he was really impressive for 75 minutes. I think he really left his mark on that game. Um, but in a 3-4-3 where he would have to do bits and pieces which don't necessarily suit his game down to a tee, I, w- I wouldn't want that to be his first sort of exposure of proper international football. I'd rather much rather see us play to his strengths in that 4-3-3 formation, which which we might not see all that often. Um, he has played in a, in a back three with Dortmund at times last season, but that was with someone like Axel Witzel alongside him, who obviously carries the burden of sort of controlling the game. Um, now Dortmund don't have Witzel. They've played a back four all season. And I don't think that's, I think that, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that is just because the makeup of their midfield suits doesn't, doesn't suit that way of playing anymore because they don't have that sort of controller like Witzel. Um, so that would really concern me for him. I mean, he's he's a great player and I'm sure he would still play well, but it's just I'd much rather see him play in a system that is suited down to him, down to a T sort of thing. And I don't don't see that sort of in a, in a back three. And I think as we've seen, as uh, Jonathan said about Jack Grudish, Southgate's definitely going to Southgate is definitely going to be under pressure this this winter, like he was with Grealish to play Bellingham as much as possible. But as we saw in the Euros, 
Southgate doesn't give in to pressure if he doesn't think that it's the right choice. Um, but it might just come down to it that he has no choice but to play Bellingham because Phillips is either injured, um, isn't even at the World Cup, and he has no choice because there isn't really other options at the moment, which is which is a worry. I'm going to put something to you, Jonathan. I've got a horrid feeling that you could say Walker, Stones, Maguire as a back throw. If things don't pick up in four miles for England's midfield, I've got a feeling you could see Eric Dyer next to Declan Rice. I, I think that's... I think that's fine, actually. Do you? Yeah. Do you don't think that's overkill a little bit? No. Like, I mean, I wouldn't do that against Iran, put it that way. No, if we do that against Iran, I'm not watching. Um, I mean, that's, if, if, he, if, if that's the team against Iran, like lump your life savings on under two and a half goals and <laughs> at least you've got something out of the game. Look, I'd rather die played in the middle of the back three because that's where he's playing for Tottenham where he's playing really well. And I think his capacity, control and organise... Uh, is one of his great assets. And I think Stones is a little bit more reticent, a little bit shy about ordering other people about. Um, so I'd much rather you had Dyer there. I, but I do think we shouldn't be unaware of the possibility of Dyer playing in midfield. And, and, and you know, if injuries happen, if, you know, if, if England are playing against... I mean, I'm trying to think, who would you do that against? Maybe you do that against, say, Brazil, if you wanted somebody to to pick up Neymar dropping deep or you're playing against Argentina, you want somebody to pick up Messi, maybe maybe that's when you you, you might think about using Dyer in a, in a midfield three. Midfield two, sorry. I just, I just wouldn't sit great with me, but it's something I've got I think it's non-ideal, but, but so. yeah, I don't think it's... The, it's, the midfield, it's just the midfield, isn't it? It's the nature of the midfield at the moment. You, you could not really rely that Phillips is going to be there at all at the moment. Henderson, the same. Then we've got the stuff we've talked about with Bellingham and probably just, think, if I'm thinking like Gareth Southgate, Bellingham's probably not playing. And then that probably only leaves Eric Dyer, because I can't see Ward-Prowse just coming in and, be, and being a starter. Concerning times in England's <laughs> midfield. Let's look at let's look at the forwards now. And Josh, Jack Grealish looked like he was back to his best against Wolves at the weekend. Finally carrying the ball again. The stuff we saw he was good at at, at Villa. It felt like he was back to doing that at the weekend. Whereas that's just not been there since he's been at Manchester City. But he's a sensational player. He'll be in the squad. But we want to see the best version of Jack Grealish this this World Cup. He said this summer, this World Cup, don't we? I find the Grealish situation a real difficult one to read because on one hand, I, I do understand the logic of what Guardiola wants from him because if you think that when Grealish does have the ball, he is a magnet. Defenders do naturally gravitate towards him because of what he can do. Um, so from that sense, I do get that Guardiola would want to exploit that and use Grealish to slow the ball down, to drag defenders away to create space for others. But on the other hand, it just seems like such a waste of his personality that that's sort of what he's been limited to since we've since he's moved to Man City. And I guess I, I would hope they're still trying to find the balance like we saw against Wolves at the weekend where he he was more direct. He was more fearless, I'd say, because at times it does feel like he's just sort of lost that game. He, he was one of the most entertaining players to watch in the Premier League. And at times he has been one of the most boring players to watch, and especially in that Champions League game against... Um, Borussia Dortmund honestly I almost fell asleep watching not it wasn't just Grealish but it's just it just makes me quite sad to watch him at times um and I know entertain entertainers don't necessarily win you win you matches win you trophies and stuff like that but at the end of the day football to me anyway is about having fun and, and seeing players express themselves and we haven't seen that too much from Grealish at Manchester City um but the sort of the safe way that he is sort of playing at times probably does suit Gareth Southgate to be honest because I We've seen in the past that Southgate hasn't really 
fully been on board with sort of the Grealish hype train. Um, so maybe now that he is playing slightly safer, more more mature, I guess, in a way, maybe that does suit Southgate. I'm not expecting him to start, to be honest. I think there's better options ahead of him, but I'm sure Southgate would probably much rather this version of Jack Grealish than what we all love to see from him. Well, I, I wouldn't have had him as prominent last summer. Um, you know, I, I just, I just sort of, I just don't like the way that kind of you get these players this clamour around them. I, I sort of think it, it's not how football works, and it's not how football's worked for sixty years. And people should really grow up and wake up. Um, I, but I think where Grealish is really useful, and it's not the City version; it's it's the old version. Is twenty minutes to go, bring him on against tired legs, get a penalty, and that's a really useful asset to have. Uh, and I, I suspect that's how he'll be used in this tournament. That you know, get the ball, run at a tired fullback, and yeah, you know, maybe maybe you get a crossing opportunity, maybe you get a shooting opportunity. Maybe he trips you and you get a free kick or a penalty. But I wouldn't have him in from the start. I don't think you can rely on him enough from the start, even even now. He does suit some international games down to a tee just because of the stuff you talk about, the, the winning the free kicks, the driving with the board. He can be a really dangerous player. But yeah, I agree with you. Southgate just, just won't start him. He'll be an impact player from the bench. Josh, you watch a lot of Marcus Rashford. He's not in this squad due to injury. Is it too late for him to get in now, by not being in the, in the, in this squad? Do you think he's given himself too much to do to get back in? I, I don't think so. I, don't, I think Rashford probably has the best chance of anyone that's not in the current squad of getting in the squad for the World Cup, yeah. I think. Jared Bowen's place is probably the one that's probably up for grabs if you look at the current forwards, and maybe um, Tammy, Abraham, Tammy Abraham as well. But, yeah, I'd say that Jared Bowen's the one that, if he doesn't pick up his form, he was certainly fortunate to be in the squad. this squad. Um, I just think Rashford, it's going to come down to Rashford or Sancho, I think. And uh, Sancho hasn't really, I think he's only had one good game for England and that was against Kosovo, whereas Rashford, if we go back to credit in the bank, Rashford does at least have that in an England shirt and I think he would certainly get in there. But I don't know if I'm, I feel like I'm probably quite on the quite the harsh side of Rashford. I don't actually think he's had a very good season at all. I think if you look at breakdown, sort of just look at good moments and Rashford has had better moments than um, some of the players and some of the forwards in the current England squad. But I still just don't really enjoy watching him play when Manchester United don't have the ball. I do think he he doesn't work hard enough for me, um, which in international football maybe isn't the be all and end all. But I do think there's so much more to come from Rashford. Well, there needs to be more to come from Rashford for me to say he's fully back on form. Because at the moment, I don't think he's. I still don't think he's playing particularly well, and I don't still really like his attitude on the pitch um, and the body language that he shows. But yeah, I, I do think Rashford will probably get in the England squad if he, if he just continues playing how he is. I think it does seem like he would have been in in the current England squad had it not been for injury. And I think Bowen's going to have to play like he did last season to sort of have a chance of clinging onto that spot. I mean, I don't think Bowen's in the 26-man. This is a 28-man squad, isn't it, this time round? He's one of the ones that I've earmarked. He's just not in the 26. He's, he's there this time round, but he won't make the 26-man squad for Qatar. Now, we can take Kane and Sterling as verbatim in the Southgate front three, Jonathan. You know, we can discuss this, who we think should play there all we like, but if England are playing three at the back, Mason Mount's the third, isn't it? Yeah, there is a possibility Mason Mount ends up playing deeper just because of the problems we talked about in midfield. And mm. I, I, I don't think it's his best position, but he can play deep. But yeah, you, you, you're right. That, that, that is the obvious one. Three is is uh, Kane and Sterling and Mount. I mean, fact, the idea that Phil Foden wouldn't get in seems incredible. I, I guess you're then looking at, at who can have an impact from the bench. Grealish and Saka, both quick, both can do that. Um, 
I, 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 I agree with Josh. I think it's it comes down to Rashford or Sancho. I don't think um, Southgate... There's something in Sancho that Southgate doesn't rate uh, because if you look at the Euros when Sancho was coming off a great season at Dortmund, he didn't really use him that much then. He, he just seemed a bit reluctant to put him in. When on form, I think he would have been probably the right-sided player. Um, and the fact that Rashford can play through the middle as well if you did want to go to... to you know, two through the middle, or if Kane got injured, and you know, I, I think that probably just gives gives Rashford the edge. But but you're right. If if it's if it's a front three, then it has to be Kane, Sterling, and Mount. Yeah, we did quite a lot on the backup striker in the last podcast that, that we did, Josh. But this is a huge international break for for Ivan Tony. He did get the call up, of course. He needs to do well in these two games if if he features to, to have a chance of being in that final squad, doesn't he? But it feels like he's got the momentum at the moment. Like I said in the last in the last podcast, it's a bit of a funny position to have in the squad because obviously Kane's captain and is by far and away our best striker. That in some ways it doesn't really matter who that second striker is because you're probably not going to play all too much. You might get one start start if England have 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 already qualified for the next for the next round in their final group game sort of thing. And that would probably be the only time you come on the pitch or if you're chasing a knockout game in the last 15 minutes, you need, need a goal, but that, obviously that's not an ideal place for a striker to be. But yeah, Ivan Tony, he was, he was in terms of the current England squad, he was the big one that had to be in there based on form. If he wasn't in there, then I think people could have really kicked up a fuss about, about all the problems of the current England squad. But he was the only one that was really smashing on the door to sort of get in there to have the chance to impress ahead of the, the World Cup in the, in the winter. Um, so the fact that he's in there is great and it'll be great to see. It's a great story for him, great story for Brentford, obviously, um, to show that they can sort of mould players to become international footballers for England. I think that's a great story for them. Uh, but yeah, I think I imagine he might start one of the games or he'll certainly feature prominently in both. Uh, and I just hope that he sort of leaves an impression on Southgate, whether that's in training or in the matches where he can sort of come back to club football for the final month or so and sort of carry on. And then hopefully, for his sake, he'll be he'll be in the squad for for the World Cup. Right then, it's the bit of the show I've been dreading. I'm actually looking at my squad now and don't really agree with what I've done, which isn't a great start. But we've all picked a 26 man squad for the World Cup at Christmas. Josh, let's do the who scored algorithm based squad first. Okay, I think it, just before I start, I, th- I saw. A, Here we go. You got to get the excuses in quickly. No, no, no this is this start. is it's, it's, it's sort of unrelated. But I saw sort of a story from Didier Deschamps about. Uh, he was asked, I think, whether he would take a 26 or 28 man squad, or like what sort of size squads he would take to the to the World Cup. And he said something interesting that he wasn't sure, but he said that no nation is going to win if they take 28 players because, in some ways, that can create more problems than it than it well, solves. Because you there's more people to keep happy, and I, and I think that was quite an interesting point that I hadn't thought of. Um, but for this, who scored squad? We've done it the same as what Southgate had at the Euros, uh, 26 man. Three goalkeepers, ten defenders, half of those fullbacks, half of those centre backs, five central midfielders, and then ten forwards. Obviously, versatile ones that plan the wing and sort of strikers. And the goalkeepers uh, were Nick Pope, Jordan, Hen- Jordan Henderson, Nick Pope, Jordan Pickford, and Dean Henderson. Um, so Ramsdale missed out to Dean Henderson there. Um, then in defence, we had the fullbacks. Were this is interesting. Obviously, this is based on this season's ratings, I should say. So obviously, Ben Chilwell and Luke Shaw have basically not played at all. So we've got Kieran Trippier, Reese James. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Carl Walker-Peters and Matt Target. Um, they're the five fullbacks. And then uh, the centre-backs, again, interesting, as I said in the last podcast, uh, the fact that there aren't many 
um, England defenders on form. Uh, and some of them aren't even playing, sort of open the door up for some sort of unusual ones. Um, so we've got James Tarkovsky. He obviously won't play, won't go, but he is having a good season for Everton, to be fair to him. Uh, Eric Dyer's won. Chris Smalling. And I said, I didn't realise this at the time, but I said in the last show that Lloyd Kelly will be an England player in the next 12 months. He takes one of the spots. He's had a good season for Bournemouth, been really important for them. Um, and then Joe Gomez, who obviously had a wow. shocking time in the Champions League. Um, but, but those ratings don't count. It's Premier League, but obviously still not had a great season, to be honest. But that sort of shows the sort of the, the standards that we're working with for uh, English centre-backs at the moment. Uh, then into midfield, we've got Jude Bellingham, uh, James Ward-Prowse, Harvey Elliott, James Madison and Declan Rice. James Madison, to be fair, was perhaps another one that could be a bit disappointed to not get into the current England squad, I think. In term, in 2022, I think he's had a really good year, uh, especially this season. Well, last season, well, Leicester weren't great at the back end of it. But he's sort of the one sort of Leicester player that can sort of come out of some credit from that sort of run. Uh, and in the forwards, we've got uh, Harry Kane and Ivan Tony and Raheem Sterling. And then we've got Grealish, Saka, Foden, Marcus Rashford and Jack Harrison, uh, which feels a bit weird because it doesn't feel like Leeds have played in about six months. But um, he had he had a great start to the season. So he just gets in. So yeah, that's our 26 man England squad, which I'm sure will cause a lot of um, a lot of uh, talking points in there. Yeah. When I said the England squad should be done on four. Forget that. I wouldn't be happy with that squad going to Qatar at all. Jonathan, a more nuanced take on the England squad from you, I'm sure. Well, so I went for two right wing backs, two left wing backs, um, and then two left side centre backs, two central centre backs, and two left side centre backs, which, in retrospect, maybe, maybe given that Walker and James can both play on the right of a back three. Maybe you can lose Ben White and, and pick an extra left-sided centre-back. And then I went for four central midfielders and then you know, a massive of forwards. So goalkeepers, Pickford, Pope and Ramsdale. The full-backs or wing-backs, Walker, Reese james Kim Trippier and Ben Chilwell. The six centre-backs, so the two on the right, Stones and White. The two in the middle, Dyer and Cody. And the two on the left, Maguire and either Gay or Tamori. Um, let's say gay, but I mean, I, I, I'm undecided between those two. The four holding midfielders, Rice, Phillips, Henderson, Bellingham. And you know, I say holding midfielders, Bellingham obviously not necessarily holding midfielder, but four central midfielders. Uh, then the the six sort of forwards rather than strikers, Mount, Foden, Grealish, Saka, Sterling, Rashford, and then three central forwards, Kane, Tony, and Abraham. I feel very sorry for Jaden Sancho. I'm not really sure what's gone wrong for him. Uh, I feel that when he was on form, he didn't really get his chance. And now that he's not off form, he's he's not going anywhere near. But I, I would have liked to have Sancho in there. So, so he's sort of with Tamori as, as the sort of the first wave of reserves. I think that's absolutely fine. I, I would be be happy with that. I, I sort of do, do agree with the Sancho point as well. It is a shame that he's clearly such a good player, but he not, he not that he's necessarily showed it for Manchester United yet. And I do think that um, some of the praise for him this season has been a bit over the top as well. I think he sort of has disappeared after half time in sort of every single game. I think he's been subbed off in like the 60 to 70 minute mark in five of his seven starts this season. And I think that is because he has sort of just gone missing in those sort of second half periods. But yeah, he he never got, as Jonathan said, he never got close really when he was one of the best forwards in the world for Dortmund. Um, so it's difficult to see that changing now. He's playing Averagely, you know, for Manchester United. 
just looking through my squad, I've made a mistake. I've left someone out who I meant to, who I meant to put in this. I'm going to have to make a, a late change to, to mine. Oh, God, what am I going to do here? There we go. We'll do that. So my three goalkeepers speak for themselves. Pickford, Ramsdale, Pope. Then my defenders, I've got Trippier and Trent acting as the right wing backs. Chilwell as a left wing back. And then I'm just thinking Saka and Trippier can probably play there if needs be. Then Walker and Reese James as like the full backs slash right centre-backs. Then we've got Stones, Mings, Dyer, Tamori and Cody, which feels like an awful lot of centre-backs. But I did kind of go off the way Gareth Southgate picked his last squad. Then in midfield, we've got Henderson, Bellingham, Rice and Phillips, the same as Jonathan. But then we've got two multifunctional players underneath in Mount and Elliot, who I've classed as midfielders, but they can also play in the front three. And then the attackers, I've got Sterling, Saka, Grealish, Foden, Kane, Abraham and Tony. So that's my my squad. We should probably do a vote, shouldn't we? On the on the who scored Twitter, Josh. Might yeah, not bother putting the who scored one in there because no one's going <laughs> to go for that for that one as the squad they want to go to Qatar. But we, we should try something with that, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. I've got the sort of the graphics, so there'll be a, a poll that will go out on Twitter for you to vote, and also you can put your own squads into the the comments of, on YouTube as well if you have any of your own suggestions. Yeah, just when Jonathan was reading his squad out, when I was reading my squad out, felt like a lot of defenders as I was, as I was reading out, a lot of centre backs. I guess Southgate does like a lot of be, defenders, isn't it? And there isn't the midfield personnel to pick. They're the squads. Overall, then, Josh, how are you feeling going into the World Cup at the moment? I guess these next two games will tell us an awful lot. Maybe we'll feel better come the end of end of the international break. But at the moment, I'm not as confident as I was as the Euros. No, I think the sort of the tone for this podcast hasn't been particularly upbeat for England's chances but I think it just comes part and parcel of England have just basically got a lot of players that aren't playing well I think you can probably three players might be playing well in the current squad that you could really sort of put your hopes on but that's obviously just not good enough but obviously there's there's still a little bit of time left for that to change and obviously I think we'll get a better sort of picture um, over these next two uh, nation league games but yeah I'm not not buzzing about our chance at the World Cup, but I'm 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 sure as it rolls around, um, I'll be a bit more optimistic. Jonathan, is it coming home? Um, I mean, I think the mood is definitely lower than for the last two tournaments. Uh, I suppose there weren't huge hopes out of 2018, but um, there just seems to be so much, so, so many things we thought were sorted that have gone wrong, and all the stuff that was wrong hasn't been resolved so there's about then you sort of start looking at other teams and um i'm not really sure germany maybe are the ones who look like they have a, a you know a system that works and a manager who's sort of progressive and but i do worry about how high that german line is i'm not sure you can get away with that in international football um i i, I yeah I, I don't see an outstanding team I, I mean, i've seen with the bookmakers that brazil and argentina are, are favorites which puzzles me slightly but, okay. um, I was going to, I was going to tip Brazil. And Argentina, if Argentina do it for Messi when he's yeah, thirty-six, that would be an amazing story and um, might help me sell some books. That does us for this week's podcast. Something different on Edge of the Box this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on. Let's build those subscriber numbers ahead of the World Cup. Thanks ever so much for watching and stay safe. Mm-hmm.